Welcome to First Words, a podcast presented by the First United Methodist Church of Florence. Today's message is brought to you by Senior Pastor Reverend Dale Cohen. We're beginning a new sermon series this week, Reset. The challenge of the Christian life is how easily we get distracted from faithfully following Jesus when we neglect the practices of a spiritually disciplined life, sometimes resulting in that we move further from God. It's easy to go through the motions merely checking off our religious to-do list. However, God didn't create us to be religious. God created us to be in relationships. But sin destroys relationships, so occasionally we need to hit the reset button and start again on that path to an ever-deepening relationship with God in Jesus Christ, but also in healthier relationships with one another. But just because we hit the reset button doesn't mean that we're immediately going to find our way back to God. If you're like me, getting back on track will probably take multiple tries because the behavior patterns that got me off track are still operational. Until I eliminate those old behaviors and replace them with new patterns and practices, then I'm in for a rough start. Now, it's okay if we need to hit the reset button several times before regaining the joy of following Jesus. The good news is that God willingly and patiently waits for us to find our way back to Him. This morning, what I want to do, though, is I want to identify three barriers that prevent us from fully following Jesus. For each of these barriers, I'm going to offer a way to hit the reset button, improving the odds that we'll be able to follow through in our commitment to Jesus. In the gospel reading that Lisa shared just a moment ago, we see Jesus interacting with three potential followers, and in each case, Jesus challenges their commitment because He knows that there's something going on with them that is likely to hold them back. The first barrier that I see is what I want to call unrealistic expectations. In the first instance, we see a guy who's eager to follow Jesus. He's ready to sign on the dotted line even before Jesus has an opportunity to invite him to follow him. We read, as Jesus and his disciples were going along the road, someone said to him, I will follow you wherever you go. And Jesus said to him, foxes have holes and birds of the air have nests. The Son of Man has nowhere to lay his head. Now, we have no idea who this guy is or where he came from or, you know, how he even knew about Jesus' ministry, but he thinks that he's totally on board with whatever it is that Jesus wants him to do. Jesus senses something more than eagerness, though. He recognizes that in this man's excitement that he hasn't reasoned the full cost of following Jesus. He knows that when the going gets rough, that this guy is likely not to stick with it. Jesus 
figured that he had some romanticized or idealized view of following him. And I can imagine Jesus saying to the man, dreams of wild adventures will only take you so far down the road. If, say, you follow me, when darkness falls tonight and you see the foxes curling up in their burrows and the birds settling down in their nests, then it will hit you. You're following a homeless man, sleeping with a rock for a pillow and remembering the comforts of home, you'll long for the security of your bed. Then you'll have to decide between the conveniences of home and the challenges of following me. It seems easy, but after weeks and months, keeping your commitment will be much harder. Your love for me must be stronger than your love for a comfortable life. Are you still eager to follow me, Jesus said? Now, let's not be too rough on this guy because most of us have an idealized view of what it means to follow Jesus. After all, there aren't a lot of demands placed on us today as Christians. We're not persecuted for following Jesus. And we're not likely to be arrested because we belong to this church. And here in the Bible Belt, it's even to our advantage to identify as Christians because it's a bigger problem if you identify as not being a Christian. The challenge comes, though, when following Jesus places demands on us that are inconvenient or countercultural, say, like loving our enemy welcoming the stranger, feeding the hungry, visiting the prisoner, becoming a servant, and giving our money away. We like the idea of following Jesus, but when following Jesus begins to challenge our way of life, we may not be as committed as we thought. We want the glory of the Christian life, but not the responsibilities. And that's impossible. So, how do we hit the reset button when the demands of following Jesus seem too great? I want to recommend first that we implement incremental changes. We've got to set realistic goals that stretch but don't break us. You've heard the adage, how do you eat an elephant? One bite at a time. We get in trouble when we expect to become a better version of ourselves overnight because it's not going to happen. It's best to develop a plan of incremental change when we feel a need for a reset. This strategy is essential because most lasting change comes through small changes practiced repeatedly. One small change or improvement will build on another and then another, and then another, and we will eventually become the new and improved version that we want to be. In his book, The Tipping Point, Malcolm Gladwell makes the case that small incremental changes will build to the point where they tip. It's like the straw that breaks the camel's back, unleashing a flood of success. The result isn't so much about the last step, but it's about the culmination of all the steps leading up to the last step, that tipping point, 
that we need to be focused upon. C.S. Lewis said it another way. He said, the moment you wake up each morning, all your wishes and hopes for the day rush at you like wild animals. And the first job each morning consists in shoving it all back, in listening to that other voice, taking that other point of view, letting that other larger, stronger, quieter life come flowing in. We've got these big ideas, but sometimes we just need to scale back to make the incremental changes that are going to lead to the fulfillment of those big ideas. An idealized picture of following Jesus may serve as inspiration in the short term, but we need a realistic perspective about what it means to follow Jesus if we want to be in it for the long haul. If you need a reset, let me encourage you, take a breath, evaluate where you are right now, envision the person that you think God wants you to become, and build a plan of incremental steps to get you there. And then this leads to the second barrier, what I'm calling failure to launch. One of the reasons we find it difficult to follow Jesus is because we think that everything has to be perfect before we get started. We want everything lined up and in order. We're like a pilot who won't fly unless there's not a cloud in the sky. Of course, a pilot like that is never going to fly because as soon as they get up in the air, clouds spontaneously form and they're going to have to land. Here's the good news. All we have to do is take the first step and then God will provide what we need the rest of the way. Whatever we need, it will be there. We don't start at the end of our journey. Every beginning starts at the beginning and not at the end. We see this starting barrier in the second encounter that Jesus had with the would-be follower. Jesus extends the invitation for him to follow along, but then this potential disciple has an interesting claim to make about some family obligation. And we read to another, Jesus said, follow me. But the man said, Lord, first let me go and bury my father. And Jesus said to him, let the dead bury their own dead. But as for you, go and proclaim the kingdom of God. Now, this response seems a little bit cold to me. But the man's father likely wasn't dead yet and probably wasn't even sick. The man wanted to delay following Jesus until after his father's death. And Jesus knew that even after his father died, then this man would likely find another reason to delay making a commitment to follow Jesus. Like the first guy, following Jesus was an exciting idea, but taking the first step was overwhelming. The guy suffered from a failure to launch. Jesus challenged his wishy-washy commitment saying, follow me now. Because what you'll do with me is too important to let your fears of the unknown stop you. 
I'll be with you, so whatever lies ahead, I'll be there with you to face the future. Well, it's true for us too. Maybe we're afraid to hit the reset button because we don't know what lies ahead and, and we need to know in order to make a commitment. But if this is where you are, then I encourage you to hit the second reset button. And that is just to take the next step. Because all we're called to do is to take one step at a time. Sometimes the barrier for us is we think that we have to have all the faith that we need to get us all the way to the end of our journey. That we need faithfulness that is going to see us through our entire lives. But the only faith that is required of us is the faith that it takes to make the next step. That's all God asks of you. Just make the next step. Through our experience of God's faithfulness, our faith grows stronger. The Apostle Paul understood the importance of moving forward one step at a time, and he described it this way in Philippians. He said, brothers and sisters, I do not consider that I have laid hold of it. And here he's talking to the faithful life of fully following Jesus Christ. But one thing I have laid hold of. Forgetting what lies behind and straining forward to what lies ahead. I press on toward the goal, toward the prize of the heavenly call of God in Christ Jesus. Jesus is offering us the opportunity to be a part of something far greater than we could ever imagine. He's invited us to share in a mission that will change the world and it will change us along the way. He offers us the chance to experience a life of power and meaning in a way that we would never experience apart from Him. And it makes no sense to wait for that kind of life when we can experience it now. 2 Corinthians 6.2 says, For God says, At an acceptable time I have listened to you, and on a day of salvation I have helped you. Look. Now is the acceptable time. Look, now is the day of salvation. Don't let failure to launch hold you back from what God has in store for you. There's an adventure awaiting you if you just take the first step. Well, the third barrier is what I'm referring to as the baggage we carry. A third person comes to Jesus committing to follow Him, but He wants to say goodbye to His family first. And Jesus expresses some concern about this man's level of commitment. The Scripture says, Another said, I will follow you, Lord, but let me first say farewell to those at my home. And Jesus said to him, No one who puts a hand to the plow and looks back is fit for the kingdom of God. Now, when I look at this, the guy's request really seems like no big deal. I mean, if, if he goes to say goodbye to his family, it's what, maybe a delay of about 30 minutes? Well, Jesus senses something else in this guy's request to return to his family. And to pinpoint the problem, Jesus describes a principle that every farmer knows. You can't plow a straight row if you're looking backward. 
In order to plow a straight road, you have to fix your eyes on an object directly in front of you and then move the plow as you stay focused on that single point. Anyone who tries to plow while looking over their shoulder, their rows are going to be all over the place. So what was Jesus' concern about this guy and why he didn't think he needed to go back to his family? Well, as much positive reinforcement as we've received from our families, at least most of us, we've probably also received some baggage. When I experienced my call to ministry, I met with the pastor of the church and explained to him that I felt like I had been called. And he said, in I think some real wisdom. He said, don't tell anybody yet. He said, let's just meet together and let's talk. And, you know, once you know fully that you've been called, then, then it'll be time to tell folks. But until then, you don't want to have to go back and say, oh, I thought I was called, but I'm not. So I thought that was some great wisdom. And we met together for several months. And one day he said to me, he said, Dale, I, I, I think you've convinced me that you've been called into ministry. And he said, it's time to tell people. He said, who is the hardest person for you to tell? And I said, well, that would be my father. Now, I've shared with you before that my father was a wonderful man, a very loving and kind man. But the reason that it was going to be difficult to tell him is because I had taken a career path that he was very proud of, a, a, pa- a path that he wished that he had taken. And now I was going to tell him that I'm not taking that path anymore, that I'm going in a new direction into ministry. Well, I wasn't prepared for the reaction that I got from my father. When I told him that I had been called into ministry, he blew up. He was so angry, and he began to tell me all the reasons why I was not fit for ministry. And everything that he said was true. I couldn't deny that. But what my father couldn't see was what God would do through me and in me because of that call. That despite who I was, that God could make me into something more. My father couldn't see that. Well, I'm happy to say that although it was a a rough couple of weeks after I told him that he eventually came around and one of the most prized possessions that I have is the Bible that he gave me when I graduated from seminary. He became my biggest supporter up until the day he died. But you see, most people only know us based on who we've been. But God sees us as a work in progress. Who we are is not who we will be. And therefore, sometimes we have to hit the reset button where we see ourselves through the eyes of Jesus and not through the eyes of other people. Because they can't see us the way God sees us. If we stay tied too tightly to the past 
our hurts, our broken dreams, our failures, and even the self-limiting boxes that people want to put us in, if we stay too tightly tied to these things, then we'll never experience the freedom of following Jesus Christ in all its beauty and mystery. God created us to have an impact. And we're stronger than we think, especially when we realize that God comes alongside us and helps us fulfill whatever challenges we face. We're never alone. So I don't know if I've hit on a barrier that keeps you from fully and faithfully following Jesus Christ, but if I have, then let me encourage you to hit the reset button. Paul said in Philippians, I am confident of this, that the one who began a good work in you will continue to complete it until the day of Jesus Christ. Trust God to help you get there every step of the way. One interesting thing about our gospel lesson, we don't know what happened to those three folks. Maybe the challenge that Jesus issued to them in that moment was kind of a light bulb moment where they thought, hmm, yeah, maybe, maybe I do need to reset my thinking, reset my life. And who knows, they could have become some of Jesus' most faithful followers. We don't know, but it's possible. But what about you? You can make that choice today to do a reset and to begin a renewed walk with God. Next week, we're going to continue this series on reset. And what we're going to do is we're going to explore the messy middle. Today, I've talked about getting started, and sometimes we get off to a rough start. But the real growth happens in the messy middle. You know, most stories focus on the beginning and the ending. But the messy middle is where we really develop. And so that's what we'll be talking about. And if you found this helpful today, then I want to encourage you to invite someone to come next week and to hear about persevering through the messy middle. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, amen and amen. Thank you for listening to First Words. For more information about our services or how to get involved in our community, visit us at fumcflorence.org or facebook.com slash florencefumc.